Buongiorno and welcome to the Global Podcast, where we keep you up to date on the latest trends and insights on diplomacy in international development. I'm your host, Jesu Antonio Baez, Director of Pax Tecum Global Consultancy, based here in London, which produces this series. In this podcast, I sit down with thought leaders, diplomats, and experts on the field, as well as provide analysis from our own team at Pax to talk more about the need for diplomacy in international development in order to foster political will around greater social impact and good. So grab your headphones and let's get on with the show. On today's episode of the Global Podcast, we're discussing climate change once more. Only this week, the United Nations recently delivered a report on the status of global warming and the progression which member states are actually making in achieving the Paris Agreement. To say there was any good news would simply be a joke, as the report sadly indicates how the global community is unfortunately off course more than ever from meeting the targets of the Paris Agreement, which, to put into perspective, took place in 2016 to tackle climate change. And unfortunately, we are further from averting true climate catastrophe, such as disappearing island nations and carbon emission increasing by 11% already. During the recent UN General Assembly in New York City this past September, climate change remained a crucial theme, and given the gravity of status of global warming, there is still some hope for businesses and NGOs to be a key player in actually taking action accordingly to help reduce the effects of climate change. Joining us to discuss about the recent UN climate change discussions as well, we are once again joined by climate activist Chiara Soletti, who is both Regional Innovation Scheme Project Officer at Climate Kick, based in London, and the current Women's Rights and Climate Coordinator for the Italian Climate Network, an Italian nonprofit organization committed to raising awareness on climate change. During her years of collaboration with ICN, Chiara focused her activities on the consequences of climate change on people's lives, analyzing how to alleviate the struggle of vulnerable groups from a human rights perspective. So, Chiara, welcome to the Global Podcast. Thank you for having me again, Antonio. It's a pleasure. No, we really appreciate your input, particularly with this recent development that has come in from the United Nations, which is uh, rather dismal to put it in a very, very uh, a light tone. Um, so let's let's look into this exactly. So the with the climate discussion that took place in New York this year, and I understand that you were actually at Climate Action Week, which took place after UNGA, which is the UN General Assembly meetings. Um, so despite this UN outlook, you know, clearly climate change is still on the agenda and we're still trying to keep uh, an understanding of the needs for it to be addressed. So uh, from your perspective, given that you were there uh, for the key discussions, uh, what were the key points that were the main takeaway for all the stakeholders present? Who were the stakeholders present? And, and basically, what was the main buzz? Basically, the reason why even I think we have to take a step back in the sense that the reason why even the climate uh, the climate week was happening is because during the last climate negotiation that happened at COP24 in Katowice uh, last uh, December, um, there was basically an impasse in the climate negotiation. There were certain problems that really didn't manage to um, 
achieve the level of ambition that is necessary right now to have a strong climate action. As, uh, uh, the, um, as the report of the IPCC is reminding us, we have now less than 10 years to take a consistent systemic action to reduce our emissions and ensure that on the long term we have uh, an environment that can sustain our life. And I like to clarify that every time we're fighting not to, fight to save the planet, but to save ourselves. And um, and that's why the UN took a stronger action and it started and, and Gutierrez, the Secretary General, um, took an immense effort in organizing several events during this year to uh, catalyze attention on climate change and uh, raise ambitions and get uh, uh, and get every everyone on board because apart during the official negotiations the states are not making the, the progress uh, at the speed that is needed so um, this culminated in this so there were actually events uh, happening all over the world, but um, all this initiative culminated uh, in uh, New York at the Climate Action Week. And what happened there is that there were several um, meetings, uh, not only at the UN, uh, events uh, all over all, all over New York, and uh, seriously there was this amazing gathering of so many different stakeholders. So there were government stakeholders, uh, business stakeholders, and of course, the civil society. So I had the chance to participate, to take part in the Youth Climate Summit. And I think that that was a really good initiative to catalyze the attention that youth is getting in this moment, uh, you know, with movements uh, like Fighters for Futures uh, and Extinction Rebellion and so on. So that was an amazing move, but unfortunately, the outcomes of the week were abs were quite negative because there was uh, on the 23rd, the the high-level uh, meeting where there were had the states coming. There was Trump uh, that that really hit the, that, the the headlines of the newspapers. He, we know very much how he supports the Paris <laughs> Agreement so much. Absolutely, but yeah, there's also that famous picture of Greta Thunberg uh, giving, uh, you know, um, a certain look to, to Trump. So, of course, we are well aware of that. So, unfortunately, even if uh, the Secretary General called to come to New York with uh, concrete actions, concrete plan to raise the ambition on every country on climate action, there was a lot of that, but unfortunately, tr from uh, um, island states and uh, some uh, other states from developing countries, but it was impossible not to feel the void <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the lack of commitment from big uh, emitters of greenhouse gases. First of all, the United States that is that has now withdrawn from the Paris Agreement. So unfortunately, the um, the outcome wasn't uh, wasn't that positive, and we appreciate the efforts of the UN. But now the pressure is really mounting towards COP25, and there are a series of really critical issues that need to be solved, and that I'm happy to look in detail with you. That would be really interesting to understand. What are the key issues? I mean, clearly this report that came out has indicated how, as it says, carbon emissions has risen 
by 11%, and the threat of island nations disappearing in the Pacific is becoming quite poignant, as well as the eastern coast of the United States under threat because of how low-lying it finds itself below sea level. Of course, with rising water, you know, my own native New York now seems to be on threat. Yeah, yeah. So what were the key, you know, so climate issue, I mean, climate change, despite uh, what uh, the current president of the United States uh, unfortunately seems to hold uh, to be quite true, um, it is being felt uh, and, and is a serious problem. But what were these key, key uh, issues that seem to be highlighted in prep for COP25? Guess what? Is money, as always. <laughs> oh boy, money, money. <laughs> exactly. So basically, um, among several issues that I don't think we have the uh, the time during this podcast to um, to cover all, but the most important ones and pressing one are definitely around the so-called and really famous Article 6 of the Paris Agreement. That is the article that uh, envisioned basically the creation of the so-called carbon markets. So what are the carbon markets? So basically, is kind of an emission trading mechanism. Uh, It would be basically a way to regulate uh, emissions. So businesses and other entities would have like a cap to emissions okay and if they're virtuous and they meet less than that the the rest of the permit to emit that they have they can sell it to someone else basically and uh, they can trade this so this would you can actually gain money from emitting less in a way and this is a mechanism this is a really simple explanation so i'm happy to go more into detail in another time but for you to know the expansion and connection of these markets because of course there would be national markets and then there would be international national international ones so connecting all these markets this is the plans have an amazing an amazing potential to stimulate the investments necessary to reduce the cost of the transition to renewable energy sources and non-polluting and sustainable production methods so this is why it's so important but one of them one of the problems uh, connected to this article is that there is not an agreement on how to measure emissions okay and also and this is also connected to the so-called national determined contribution so the actions of every state, how much they're going to meet or not. And not everyone agrees on how something is measured uh, in a way or in another in an industry. Let's, let's think about flights, for example, aviation. At the moment, there is absolutely no agreement on how the impact of aviation, mm-hmm. the aviation industry needs to be counted. And that is a massive problem because it's estimated that only that industry have as, as an, have an impact on the 5% on the global emissions is so much. It's only one industry, to give you an idea. And in addition, uh, there's, there's also another problem, the so-called double counting. Um, so basically, um, how would I explain this? Well, what is double, double, du- double hunting, if I understood correctly? No, so, my, my bad, sorry. My pronunciation uh, is double counting. A double counting. Um, is basically uh, the assignment of the same credit corresponding to a reduction in an emission several Mm. times for example between country 
so that purchases the credit uh, and they then receiving it from another country. I don't know if I made myself clear, but basically it would be a way if we don't get the right way to count to um, to uh, count these emissions to give a, an exact quantity and to have a, a proper system that we can verify mm. that okay this is how much you're emitting or not. That's the risk that people cheats and says like uh, I have I'm emitting less and I'm getting more credit that actually I should have and so I can sell something for more money but actually I emitted. Mm. So it's. Um, this is a super big issue and it's actually where Katowice last year got at the impasse you know it's uh, um, it's is one absolutely one of the main one, <laughs> one of the main problems and then of course there's climate finance the fact that uh, um, there's no still not enough commitment to guarantee uh, the annual 100 billion euros by 2020 to finance the mitigation and adaptation activities uh, in a developing country. This is an, another massive pro problem that is connected also to what is called loss and damage. The concept that the countries that emitted less have been damaged more, so they should be entitled to receive financial aid and, uh, um, and also to be helped to uh, build their capacity, their, their climate resilience. All these topics, they're so connected. And guess what? At the end of the day is money. <laughs> and all this is about money. And it's so complicated. And businesses are getting really involved in a positive and a also in a negative way. Like, um, you know, the oil industry is unfortunately we, we say as civil society that infiltrates the climate negotiations and they are, and we do know the impact that they have on these negotiations, they slow down things, but there are also businesses that are making a positive part. There are all really businesses that are taking into account, they're really moving towards uh, sustainability, that they're doing it for real, taking into account just transition, that it means to make sure that your workers are going to be either trained that they're going to be moved from an industry and another to another and they're not going to be left on the street it's easy to close a coal mine and say okay it's closed <laughs> we are not emitting anymore what about the people of that community exactly and their jobs and their livelihood because though and that was the conundrum the united states found itself because you know, with West Virginia, which was predominantly coal mining, it was very easy for Hillary Clinton to come in to say, we're going to get rid of the coal minings. Yeah, great. Take the oh. box. However, now you have unemployed, massive unemployment in the population that can come. And where the next potential employer could be Walmart, you also see a population which hasn't been invested to accordingly and it can lead to other issues that can lead towards greater uh, issues towards sustainable development and greater impact. Absolutely, and it's and it's heartbreaking. And I have to say, um, you can tell I'm not a Trump supporter for sure. But at the same time, I was really critical towards uh, Hillary Clinton for that because you cannot you cannot scare people in that way because you cannot understand what it means for a person maybe in their fifties uh, that have worked for all their life in a, in an industry. What it means? Oh, we're going to train you. You're going to find another job. Is not 
that easy and it really requires a collaboration you know of the entire society so we're not talking only about businesses we're talking also about the government we're talking about education so universities and so on and that's why when it comes to the future of business my advice is really to take this seriously we are we are fighting for survival first of all but even if you are thinking you know next day for your business believe me even next day and short term you should really start looking at what are your alternatives to make your business sustainable and if it's not to start uh, to to start uh, um investing in some consultancies that are helping businesses move moving towards and transition towards the sustainability that that means not only in terms of energy and uh, um, production but also when it comes you know, it also means to think about the people you are employing and uh, what they're going to do can you involve them because sometimes there is an investment that can be to people who wants to work of course they want to have dignity they want to have a salary and uh, have dignity in their life so they needed to consider this and and that's why one of the ways sometimes to do this is to search for alliance to create what I, we call a hub and uh, so one of the things that comes from my experience at Clama Kick is seeing how businesses build alliances with in their um, in their ecosystem and they start to create an ecosystem that is ready to transition with the ecosystem I'm talking about to an environment that is favorable to you because you have some allies basically. Well, it's good that and, you're getting uh, into that because I do want to I do want to mention real quick because since we're talking about businesses and and the and the notion of businesses taking part I think it's important to highlight the fact that um, you know many Many, many feel that those actors who should be responding to the Paris Agreement should simply be the states. But as you're as you're indicating, oh, no. it's precise that it, businesses <laughs> and NGOs and investors can take part and can do their work. I think Morgan Stanley uh, launched a report in August stating that it's a myth that sustainable investing requires a financial trade-off with research that they had showing that companies of strong environmental practices outperform their peers on a variety of measures and can help contribute to greater sustainable development towards the climate. So so, so, I would, so based upon what you're trying to talk about, could you highlight what businesses can do as actors in responding uh, uh, to, um, to, to, to tackling climate change, uh, climate change and what? That, I think that would be something uh, really poignant to understand uh, and, to, and to clarify. At the cost of sounding naive probably but i do believe that we should start rethinking why we are working and why we are on earth so we are living basically and uh, this entire discourse uh, around saving the planet uh, or saving your business or being sustainable and so on is around surviving basically so we live on a system that has limited resources and we need to face that the current system, I'm not anti-capitalism, but I'm really critical of capitalism at the same time. So businesses can play an amazing role and can really lead uh, on a green re revolution. Just think about the fact that actually businesses that brought us <laughs> to this uh, crisis situation, the biggest polluter on earth are 
major corporations. This is not a witch hunt, of course, but I'm saying that for those businesses out there that have uh, a different approach and that they want to survive in the next 20 years and that they want also to maybe have an impact in society, why not? I do hope that this is what you should do as a business, but again, I hope no one is going to call me naive, but I do believe that that should be the goal. So because of that, my advice would be really, first of all, follow what is happening at the negotiations, because what is happening at the negotiations is going to involve you. Second, that is the high uh, stakeholder level, what it has to do with your everyday life. I get that, absolutely. That is just a sign of what is going to ripple down and what is going to happen next. But if your government is not doing enough about climate change, well, think selfishly. Think about your business and the impact that you can have in your community. So start to see if there's a university that can provide you, that you can be your ally. Start to see if there's any local um, authority that has a different idea from your government that... Uh, can maybe support you in a strategic, uh, you know, in a strategic uh, way. The the answer to solve the climate crisis is really to start work in a systemic way because there is the technology, there are there is the money just hidden in the wrong pockets. There are the possibility, and there's people willing to do this change. The problem is that it has to have to happen systemically, and that's why it's important to to build alliance. Think about what is your mission. Think about uh, what is what are your longer term goals, and try to understand. Okay, what I have to do. To make it sustainable and try to understand which allies you can have. Don't rely necessarily on the government because we know that they can be the enemy sometimes policy-wise. Sorry, I'm still thinking about the states. <laughs> this is a bit biased. I'm sorry, but I I can imagine how hard it has to be in this moment. If you are a business, you're trying to be sustainable and moving forward with what is happening in the world, and you are a business owner in the states. Depending on the specific states you live, you might find more allies and more ways to move towards that and have finally also an impact on your community. Just transition is not just a fancy um, a fancy concept. It's really, it basically is really saying you have to think about the people you employ and do your best to see if you can maintain the workforce. And if you maintain the workforce, believe me, it's going to be an investment. People is grateful when you invest in them and you maintain them, give, maintain their, their job. And sometimes this is also forgotten. These days, corporations use people as disposable things when they don't realize they're being treated fairly and with humanity for as much as possible, of course. And no one can face, I don't know, a, a massive crisis and save everyone, fair enough. But nevertheless, I do believe that people are extremely grateful about that. They feel valued. They feel they have a purpose. They have, and they feel like they're given, they're respected, they're given dignity, and that is an amazing long-term investment, in my opinion. Precisely, investing in the investing in your staff is always key. But going into the point in regards to to businesses and and the solution that they can provide to climate change, and of course, as you've indicated, at times businesses may find themselves in a country. Uh, where the policy isn't so climate uh, change uh, focused. So let's say, for example, many American businesses which find themselves suddenly becoming 
the actors abroad in enhancing uh, climate change change solution, given that the U- current U.S. policy uh, isn't isn't in favor of it, or if if you're a business that's looking to engage with a government that doesn't have it, you know that can be daunting. But then again, that business can always get in contact with Pax Tech and Global, and we can help them with that. That's that's what we do. But besides the point, um, I wanted to know from you if, if you could think of maybe one of the key sol- the key issue in climate change that you think business Businesses should be um, really focusing on if they can uh, at present. The key issue that is an opportunity for them to really consider either in investing towards, well, if you're an impact investor, investing towards, or a business that could perhaps really take a step towards towards taking part in, um, you know, because I think the key issue that many businesses have is that. Um, there's so many pressing issues, but it's hard to f- to see which one is the key one to go by. From your expertise, which would be the the main one they should really uh, take a little bit more uh, quality time with? Well, I think that one of the main problems is definitely the the way we power our world and the impact that it has, and is definitely directly connected to the to greenhouse emissions. So, what they should look into from my point of view is definitely the way they get energy and what kind of energy it is and when it can and another point it's absolutely around uh, financial products uh, um, if independently from what is their business focus if they're working uh, in the marine sector if they're working uh, in in a sector that is uh, connected to land use and so on there are the so-called green bonds now it's really difficult to, to navigate this kind uh, of um, financial products and to understand what is the real impact and if they're actually green because there's a lot of greenwashing in uh, in this um, in this particular uh, area so my advice it would be there are some emerging um, ngos and consultancies that are helping to certify what is green or not. One example of this is, for example, here in London, Climate Bonds Initiative is helping to create standards in certification. This is just an example, but and is a London-based one, but I would strongly advise if they are um, looking at investing to first think to invest green and to make sure that is really green. And in order to do that is to get some professional advice and find some people that is directly con- uh, involved in the certification. This is my best advice at, the t- at this time. Excellent. Well, to wrap it up, clearly we began with how dismal the recent UN report, which at the time of this recording was just released yesterday, um, in the progress we're making towards achieving the goals of the Paris Agreement and, and how basically not only are we off track, it's just getting to the point of almost no return. However, with the potential, as we talked about, with the potential with businesses particularly, taking an angle uh, that is more uh, responsive in addressing the Paris uh, Agreement and its goals and tackling climate change accordingly. Uh, Despite the bleakness of this report, do you feel hopeful in the future at least? Um, Or or do you feel that we are really much heading towards an endless black abyss of no return and we're all doomed to uh, a a very smoggy, smoggy future? Well, I feel, I think that is a moral duty to feel hopeful in a way, in the sense that 
we don't have a choice. So we have the moral duty to do our best. And uh, and and to be honest, I'm also on a privileged side side uh, side because um, I do a lot of this work for pro bono when I when I go to the um, uh, climate negotiation at the UNFCCC. I'm a civil society observer, and to be honest, seeing the how many people are fighting relentlessly to see a change in this world, and change happened before. So I want to think that we're going to find a way to, and we're going to survive one way or another. Probably we're going to, to have to live shorter lives, but I do believe that it's likely that we're going to find a solution that probably is not going, this problem is going to affect the life of millions of people. And it's going to be dramatic. Nevertheless, it's also remarkable to see on the other side how many people is committed to, to find a solution to the problem. What is necessary right now is really the political will. And I would like to say the power muscle of businesses. I do hope that businesses are going to start doing the right thing. Again, sounding naive. I know, but at the end of the day, there's no business to do in a on a on on a on a planet on fire. Precisely, no, no, precisely, and I think the wonderful news is the fact that the that there are businesses that are really looking to make a proper change, either either in their own uh, companies themselves or actually the product and the solution that they're looking to 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 provide is a solution in regards to really tackling key issues that can really help uh, address climate change needs. And, and I, I appreciate how you said that being hopeful for the future is a moral obligation because you're right, we should be hopeful because as long as we are discussing about this and making the effort, I do believe, maybe naive on my own end, but I'm the perpetual <laughs> optimist, um, that light, no matter how dark the night is, the, the sun still comes out. But Chiara, it has been an absolute pleasure having you and to discuss this very important topic. I really do hope it has enlightened our listeners many who happen to be businesses themselves that are trying to figure out how how they can take part i hope this has been a source of inspiration and clearly it's always a pleasure having you so thank you for coming on the global podcast thank you antonio it's always a pleasure that brings us to the end of this edition of the global podcast i'm jesu antonio Baez, director of pax Tech and global consultancy which produces this series please do check out our website at www.paxtechandglobal.org that's P-A-X-T-E-C-U-M-G-L-O-B-A-L dot org to discover more about our work. You can also follow this podcast and the work of PAX on both Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you like this podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and of course subscribe on both Spotify and Apple Podcast. Join us next week for another edition. And until next time, grazie e ci sentiamo presto. Ciao!